Uh, hey, everybody. Hello there. Uh, I'm Mike. I'm Jenny. And this is End the Nominees Were, a podcast where we watch uh, every movie ever nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Yes. And this is this is our first Best Picture winner. That's true. This is the fin- this is the finish line of 2017. Yep. yep. Only uh, how how many how many more years? Eighty nine uh, years to go. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's well, right. yeah. Right now. Well, I guess technically, eighty eight. Right. Te- well. No, there. No, there. I don't. Yes, know. I don't math. know. I don't know. It's I'm. I'm it's very technical. Yeah. But well, no, yeah, we have 89 now because they were there was just an Oscars that we haven't covered. Right. And it'll take us 10 years to do the other 89, and in those 10 years, there'll be 10 more. Right. Um, and then we're just going to do all that. We're going to power straight through all those at the end, right? Yeah, probably. Something sure. like that. Sure. I don't know. Sounds fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm declaring here now, we're, we're calling it a day at the 100th Academy Awards. <laughs> Anything after that, I don't, will movies even exist? No, yeah. we, um, that's when we're all going to get the, um, you know, like the little discs, like in strange days, mm-hmm. we're just going to jack in, uh, and that, so movies will cease to exist. Yeah. Well, I, I thought more they would just all become television shows. Oh, well, I guess that's more realistic. <laughs> everything's, all right. everything's a 12 hour movie. <laughs> What's a movie? <laughs> Do they still make those? <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, this this week's episode is The Shape of Water. Yes. And I'm afraid this is, this might be a contentious episode. Yeah, you know, when you we were talking about this the other day and you were like, yeah, you know, we're going to watch Shape of Water again and, and we're going to fight about it. And I was like, no, we're not. I don't feel that strongly about The Shape of Water. And then we watched it again and literally my first note is, back on my shit again so uh so apparently i was lying to myself uh Mm -hmm. for you know i guess what it's been like two years now technically since since we saw it the first time Uh, no like a little over a year year. feels like two years Mm -hmm. feels like the olden times Mm -hmm. but um but yeah i i i I like this movie a lot Mm. so so we'll we'll have to have words yeah i mean i would hope so. That's what this podcast <laughs> is about. That is literally it's about us the having point. words. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't think I. I don't think I care for this movie. I know. I you didn't when we watched it. Yeah. Yeah. But that's okay. Uh. But anyway. Yeah. Uh. The Shape of Water. This is Guillermo del Toro's, uh, tenth feature, I believe. I I just counted them before this, so <laughs> I would know, because he's made a lot of movies and um, but he's never really. He's always like on the cusp of being like a huge thing you know he's yeah. made a couple movies that are big successes like pacific rim and uh, but even like most of his big studio things like blade 2 and hellboy they're kind of on the lower tier of blockbuster status right. you know yeah. uh and his uh you know his mexican films they've garnered a lot of acclaim uh but it always feels like he's working under very um uh, strict conditions you know mm-hmm. low budgets and things like that um, and it feels like only in recent years, I think after Pacific Rim, he's kind of had the the cachet to be able to make more personal, bigger budget movies mm-hmm. uh, in English. Right. Which I don't know if that's a thing that he particularly wants to do, or if that's, uh, you know, what he has to do to to get the budgets or whatever. But he's made after Pacific Rim, he made uh, Crimson Peak, uh, which I loved. Yeah, which rules. Yeah, I don't know. This is all to say that uh, I was. 
I was excited for a new Guillermo del Toro movie. Mm-hmm. And then I hear it's, it's The Shape of Water about a woman who falls in love with uh, basically the creature from the Black Lagoon. Right, yeah. And I was like, okay. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I was cautious going into it. Uh, I... No, I was like, yep, sure. Like, this is the thing. And I cannot obviously speak for all women. That is not my job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can speak for, uh, you know, the corner of Tumblr that I crawl out of, you know, to live in the world. And everybody was like, it was very meme. It was like, yes, girl, get it. Fuck that fish. Do it. Um, but so we were we were all hype. Yeah. We were, yep, we were hyped for The Shape of Water. And then it turns out that it, it was it was actually, you know, a nice movie. It was mm-hmm. a nice movie about... Uh, about a fish fucker. About a fish fucker, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, the Fishman does not have a name. Uh, no. I think that we should come up with a name for him for the sake of brevity. Gilly. Gilly. His name's Gilly now. <laughs> um, Just popped in there. Yep. Yeah, I I think unfortunately watching this movie, there's just uh, the one central thing that I just can't get around. My mind will not, I cannot wrap my head around this core concept of the movie. That is where a woman genuinely... falls in love with a a feral animal. <laughs> that is genuinely the part of the movie I have the least problems yeah. with. I mean, I have problems I, with I all wish, the rest. Of the I wish of the movie I was, as well. I wish I was getting. That is the part of the movie I have yeah. the least problem with. You know, this movie starts with this... Uh, it's a wonderful looking sequence where... Um, it's basically tracking through Eliza's like apartment building. It's going through the hallway and um, and over to her, her couch where she's leaving. But everything's underwater and everything's sort of floating around. And, and it looks quite nice. And then there's this uh, Richard Jenkins uh, voiceover... Which basically sets up the movie you're about to watch as uh, as this fairy tale. Yes. And already, like as soon as that happened, I was like, eh, I don't, I don't know, I can't. Mm, I don't that know. was exactly what I wrote down in my notebook. Here I am, back on my shit again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because of course I'm immediately on board. Like we're we're in this like abandoned looking apartment and shit's mm-hmm. floating around, and he's giving. Me, narration you know what would what would i say if i told you about her and the music is playing yeah the, the score is so good yeah that uh it's desplat right yeah yeah and it's it's so good it's, it's french sounding even though there's nothing french about yeah this i movie. kept thinking it was by the guy who did the score to amelie and it wasn't yeah uh, yeah it's it, it's very amelie it sounding. is very amelie sounding um that's you know also a movie about questionable romance it is but it's between two human beings and i have less of a problem with that yeah i guess (laughs) i don't know it's just you know it's like yeah it's i don't know uh clearly many people can just accept this accept the the fairy tale aspect of it and i'm just like what is people doing uh hanging out with this reaction to beauty and the beast yeah why is she hanging out with this crazy? Well, also, well there she's technically yeah. she she has to live. Yeah, there. she has to live there, and he's actually Although a dude. There's literally no reason. Yeah. There's no. Yeah, but she doesn't know he's a dude. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I guess she does. I don't know. I don't I, know. I, I mean, I have many problems with that story as well. I don't. I don't get. I don't get fairy tales. I don't know. I never have. That's very deeply disappointing to me, and I'm sorry. So, uh, so what you're saying is you were never going to like this movie. I guess not. I mean, I didn't know it was a fairy tale. Okay. Um, I don't know. Is fairy tale set in uh in like Fallout universe? Yeah, I love the way this movie looks so much. Uh, like if this movie had no plot, it was, and if it was just uh the scenery, I would have given it five stars. <laughs> this movie looks fantastic. The yeah. production design of this movie is. Uh, beautiful it is it's true uh and then there's just uh the story uh it you know there's there's i have other problems with the story too okay let's get off of the the fish fucking all right for a minute here um because it's not like he's literally an animal he communicates with her they like you know who else communicates coco the gorilla i the you know yes uh, Coco is absolutely sexually attracted to certain humans. I've read this. Oh yeah, this is this is true. That's wild. Uh, she was into Robin Williams when Robin Williams showed up and hung out with Coco. Nice. But Coco can't get it. Coco's a gorilla. <laughs> it's not cool. He eats a cat. He does eat a cat. Uh, he doesn't understand what cats are. Exactly. How fair. can how can he consent to having sex with this woman? He he's doesn't never, understand what cats are. He's never met a cat. Yeah. He's never he, met a he's human He's from woman. the Amazon. He's met human women before. Did he have sex with those women too? Maybe. That's weird. I don't like it. I don't like this at they all. They worship him as a god. Michael Shannon told us so. That's, that's a, maybe they it's offered, a horrible misuse of power. they offered him cats. We don't know. They don't have cats in the Amazon. No. No, they don't. But... <laughs> You just said it yourself. He's never seen a cat. I know. Um, yeah. He can heal people. Yeah. And understands music. He can heal people, like, at the very end of the movie, too. No, he does it in the middle of the movie. He, oh, that's true. Yeah. He cures his baldness. Yeah, and well, and the and the scratch on his arm that yeah. that he gives him when he runs out. You remember, he, like, when, when uh, Gilly eats the cat. Yeah. Um... Uh, Richard Jenkins is understandably quite upset about this, yeah. uh, and forgives him because because he because he, he, do, because he doesn't know better. He says he actually I think he calls him a wild animal. Yeah. Which he does is call him a wild animal. Yeah. Uh, um, I think he really forgives him because uh, Rick Jenks has like four other cats. Well, that's that's also true. He I think they just I think he just picks up stray cats. <laughs> I think that honestly. might be true. Um, and I don't know how he's feeding these cats. Like he doesn't he doesn't even feed himself. He doesn't even have a job. He he tries to have a job. He tries to have a job. Yep. It doesn't work. Uh, Spending all his uh, money on pie. He is. Let's talk about Ricky Jenks for a second. Yes. Uh, uh, he, Richard Jenkins, uh, an actor whom I love. Uh, everybody great. loves Richard Jenkins. Yes, uh, he's fantastic. Well, National when he pops treasure. Up, yeah, uh, I don't think he was in that one. Maybe he was. I don't remember. <laughs> he might have been a national treasure. Who knows? <laughs> Anybody could be. I've yeah. never, I've, I've never seen any of the movies in that series. So you could literally tell me anybody was in them, and I would be like, sure. You know who's in those movies? <laughs> who's in them? Nicholas Cage. What? I don't believe you. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, I've only seen the first one. Maybe it's not in the second one. Uh, <laughs> but Richard Jenkins is great. He's one of those guys. You know, he's a guy who I feel like he came up uh, in the character actor ranks around the same time as guys like Paul Giamatti and like mm-hmm. Philip Seymour Hoffman. But, but those they guys, broke through. Yeah, those guys yeah. started getting lead roles. And I don't know if uh, Richard Jenkins ever did. I think the closest he ever came was like The Visitor. But anyway... Uh, Richard Jenkins is in tons of great movies in these uh, smaller parts. I feel like this is like the biggest part he's had in a while. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I could be wrong. I don't. I don't go out to see every Richard Jenkins movie. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know if I really had a point. Uh, uh, is your point that he's great? He's great. Okay. So yeah. So but his part in this movie, uh, he. He's sort of, the way that uh, Giles, his character, describes himself, he's, you know, he says at one point uh, that he doesn't know if he was born uh, too early or too late. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always sitting at home watching these, like, 30s movies with the, you know, the musical numbers. And yeah. he and Eliza, like, do a little tap together and stuff like that. They're always watching the uh, all the musical numbers and stuff. And he is, um, he is an advertising artist. Yeah. Commercial uh, artist. Right. Uh, for a company where uh, it, he seems to have had a romantic breakup with his direct superior in the, like, the one scene that they have together. You know, believe it or not, I actually never picked up on that. Uh, that might be the only thing in the movie I never picked up on because this movie is not subtle. It's not terribly subtle. No, but I, do, I never got that impression. But it's but not that really trying to be. No, I um, no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. So, but he, yeah. So he's a commercial artist. He's working on this piece for Jello, like through the whole movie, mm-hmm. and um, and keeps getting notes back and notes back, and uh, it turns out that they want photography, and he's basically, you know, being a. Uh, shut out of this line of work but like also you know like this dude is like stringing him along because like if he had said in the first place listen you're not gonna get this job maybe he could have gone and done something else and Mm -hmm. anyway uh justice for giles he he deserves better but yeah but giles is a coward and he uh one of the ways that they show this in the the movie you know he they're always going is the one they're always going to this pie restaurant mm-hmm. um this this chain pie restaurant where he goes to buy pie and flirt with the guy behind the counter yeah um who it turns out has no idea that's what they're doing because <laughs> because he's just being a person who re- works in retail which yeah. i get mm-hmm. and and it also turns out he's a shitty person well um, yes of Vic- course yep yeah. Uh, I have been on both sides of this scenario. Uh, I yeah. I certainly uh, have had customers who are clearly coming in uh, just to flirt with a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, you know, through my twenties, that was that was the extent of my game. Would be like <laughs> I would go to a store and be like, and like, "Oh, so you sell books? That's so funny. I like to read books." Yeah, right. That's, exactly. Wow. Yep. There was, I had a crush on a boy who worked at a GameStop, so I would go in and be like, oh, hey, so what games are up for pre-order? Oh, that new Zelda, huh? I want that Zelda. Have you heard anything good about it? I'm like, you know, I'm like, like, what am I, what are you doing? Come on. <laughs> like, ridiculous. So, 
So yeah, so I've definitely I've definitely pulled that move. Yeah. It worked out for me. Uh only slightly better than it works out for Giles. Yeah. I don't think I've been on either end of this unless I'm just completely oblivious, which is entirely possible. Okay. I've lived most of my entire life in a state of, of oblivity. <laughs> I, I think that's the word. This sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would. Um, I don't know this for sure, but I, I imagine that, that girls would come in and flirt with you, especially in a bookstore. I mean, uh, I appreciate the thought, but I'm not, I don't know about that. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, so Giles is spending his money that he doesn't have on this pie that is inedible. Yeah, just... it's apparently awful pie. Uh, he just has a fridge full of it. Of neon green key yeah. lime pie. Um, which, that's, that's only one of many neon green things <laughs> in this movie. Yep. I do love this movie that most of my, honestly, that's what's really funny was I wrote notes while we were watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Four pages of notes. Most of which is about five ideas. Was it just and... you scrawling the word green over and over? <laughs> just... Yeah, I was, I was, just, in, I was just... in a serial killer notebook? Yeah, I was just keeping track of when they used different colors. <laughs> I Like, that happens at least ten times in mm-hmm. these notes. But yeah, there are... There are really about three main colors in this movie. Yeah. And they are green, yellow, and red. Mm-hmm. And my problem with that is... It's like a stoplight. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I but I feel like the colors don't represent anything. Like I feel like they're very I had an idea about that. Okay. I don't think that they all do. I think some of, you know, some of the uses of the colors are just you know, for atmosphere or because yeah. or because that's part of the palette of the movie. Mm-hmm. But um, so I, I, I do, I'm not going to be able to tell you what green means, even though it no. does seem to be generally a good color in the movie, except when it's in that, that neon shade of the, like the jello and, and, and the pie and stuff. Uh, yellow is always used for normalcy. Okay. Um, it's like. Not at least when I noticed it, I feel like there might be once or twice that it's not, but it's um, so like contrast with like Eliza's world is very green, you know, like uh, she has it's it's like greens and browns and stuff, uh, except when she starts to liberate herself and she gets her red shoes finally that she's been eyeing in the window. She buys her red shoes and she wears her red coat at the end when they're running away to the docks, even though she doesn't know that she's going with them. But the rest of the time, she's got her green uniform that she wears all the mm-hmm. time. She does have a red headband that she wears. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah. So, there's a lot of green for Eliza. But, um, this is the story of a green boy living <laughs> in a green world. <laughs> you know, he is a green boy. He is a green boy. Uh, he lives in a mostly blue world, I guess. Uh, in a blue little house with a blue little window. Uh, that mm. looks out onto a lab where a girl is, is mopping <laughs> things. Um... But, uh, but yeah, so, uh, but like, uh, Strickland, who is Michael Shannon's character, yeah. uh, his house is aggressively yellow. <laughs> uh, his wife is wearing yellow. His son is wearing yellow checker. Um, you know, they, they have their weird boning and the yellow. Yeah. Check- I, uh, okay. Yeah. We're going to get into okay. the weird sex stuff in this movie, but there's also scenes, uh, uh, Richard Jenkins' apartment it has is more yellow tinged than Eliza's apartment is. 
Um, there's the scene where uh, um, Dr. Hofstetter, before you find out that he's a spy and his name is Dimitri and stuff like that, when he goes orig- to first to meet with his, you know, Russian contacts and stuff like that, and they go in the front of that club uh-huh. that is extremely yellow, this like Russian... Uh, hall where everybody's dancing and having a good time although then they go into the the back room they go into the kitchen and everything is white Mm -hmm. um which there isn't a lot of white in the movie no that's true i feel like that doesn't that doesn't seem very normal to me it's (laughs) russian gangster club (laughs) well i feel like it's maybe supposed to be because I don't think he is a character that fits into his world either is the thing okay none of these characters and that's the the big, you know, flashing neon light theme of yeah. the movie. A whole bunch that, of kooky misfits. Yeah, a whole bunch of kooky misfits uh, banding together mm-hmm. to, to help these two kids uh, run off together yeah. into, really, the, this into been, the sea. Uh, I feel like this would have been a better, like, uh, 90s sitcom. A whole bunch <laughs> of kooky misfits working in a science lab or being test subjects in a science lab. I feel like you almost described Better Off Ted just now. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the thing. I feel like it's just supposed to be like, like this is the normalcy of these people who are living in the country, you know, and then they immediately, this is literally, I would say less than a minute, that shot, the bright yellow Mm -hmm. club. And then they just cut through into the back room and everything is white and different because that's, because that's not the world that he's in. It's not, you know, it's what's supposed yeah. to be. Okay. So, and also, it's like, even if you're using it by that, it's like a, it's an artificial normalcy as mm-hmm. well. Like, certainly that's the case for, for Strickland and his family. Yeah. And, um, and. Yeah, it's, uh, his whole existence is aggressively fake. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they go out of their way to sell him that huge green car. Yeah. Uh, uh, he's not sure about the green. And then the guy says, oh, it's teal. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, that teal, it's unsettling. Yeah, we've all previously established that teal is unsettling. <laughs> yep. It's very unsettling. Mm-hmm. I feel like this movie, uh, it spends way too much time uh, on Michael Shannon's character when he's not... Uh, talking to eliza or zelda or people uh and like uh they have a scene of him going home and uh and uh and having weird sex with his wife and then he, there's a scene of him buying a car there's a scene of him as a boss like he's a character but he's but he's a, a cartoon character well, it's because Really, the through line of all of the scenes that he is in that she is not in, although, and also the scenes that she is in, uh, is he he is toxic masculinity, the character. Mm-hmm. That is his purpose. And uh, I guess the idea of this movie is, you know what? Don't be like this guy. Yeah. I don't know. There, That's the moral. The moral is don't be like that I don't, guy. This movie has a lot of... I feel like this movie tries hard to... Uh, give every character a character and like scenes of their own to do stuff in. You see Zelda at home. You only see the one time, only though. the one time, but you only see uh, uh, Strickland at home the one time. I guess that's true. Uh, pretty much, maybe. Pretty much, maybe I twice. think he's. I think he's there twice. You but... see uh, Michael Stuhlbarg, 
uh, once or twice, and yeah, you see uh, Richard right. Jenkins go to his job or whatever and go eat the a pie. Uh, and so, like, everybody gets a couple scenes by themselves, and, like, that's, in theory, a good thing, but I feel like it doesn't... I, I feel like they're... It makes the movie feel unfocused to me. Okay. Because I feel like... And then I don't spend enough time uh, with uh, Eliza and and Gilly. <laughs> uh, because their relationship doesn't feel like... A, they, they, they fall in love in this montage. Right. We're in the middle of this movie. Not even in the middle of this movie. It's like towards the beginning of this movie. Yeah. Uh, and then the movie spends a well, whole bunch of time with yeah, these other yeah. characters, and I'm like, no, no, go back to the other thing. Explain that to me. That's think, the part yeah. I'm unclear on. I understand who Richard <laughs> Jenkins is. I don't need to see a whole scene of him uh, being rejected by the pie guy. I feel like all of... Well, if he hadn't been rejected by the pie guy, he wouldn't have helped Eliza free Gilly. It's Yes, but like that's... That also feels like it's it's cheap to me. Like, it, uh, well, like, it is a little bit, but I feel like he might be that kind of guy. You know, he wants to live in the fantasy world that he is making up, and he needs the harsh reminder that you know what the world isn't like this. Uh, you're an outcast. These people are outcast. Everybody is an outcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, all you have is each other. So stick together. That's that's the actual moral of the movie. Is all you have is each other. So stick together. Uh, which, falls, yeah. which I want to get to. I have that, which is why I have problems with the end of the movie, even though it's a perfect end to the movie. But that's why I have issues with it. Because uh, they go off on their own and they to leave everybody in, behind. Yeah, to to live in the sea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To be fair, you know that's he has to live there. He is a fish man, but <laughs> um, and now she has to live there because she got shot real hard several times mm-hmm. um so i don't know and because uh he because now, uh because now he, she has gills yeah he gave her gills yep uh, she always had well, the scars so on her could, neck uh, right um because that's yeah eliza is mute because uh she was abused in some way as an infant or a very small young child mm-hmm. and she all she has to show for it is these scars on her neck yeah yeah um, which then become gills when when he heals her from her gunshots at the end. As but, as you do. Um, I don't think. I mean, one could argue that you know, like maybe you should have asked her if it was okay to give her gills. <laughs> uh, but she was dead at the time. Yeah. So I feel like you know, given the alternative, she's probably fine with it. But also, I think that um, much of the movie before then has led you to believe that maybe she wants to live in the sea. Yeah. I yeah. suppose, I guess. She likes the water a whole lot. She was found by a river. Uh, uh, she, she masturbates in the tub. She sure uh, does. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, my favorite, one of my favorite things about this movie is that it's right in, like, basically the opening credits, is that uh, she jerks off in the tub to an egg timer, which is the most realistic shit that I can imagine. Like, you know, you're just getting the shit done, and Mm -hmm. then, like, and it's part of your routine, and you go on with your day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's I love that. Um... And people try to make it weird because she is a lady. 
but I mean, I don't think it's weird because she's a lady. I I feel like I would uh, be uncomfortable with any movie that started with the main character masturbating. <laughs> Man or woman, I'm not uh, particular. <laughs> I guess that's... Is it just because it's at the beginning of the movie? Well, it sets a tone. I see. And it's... I don't know. I don't know. I like it. I like that that's part of her daily routine. It's fair. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, you know what? That there are a number of movies... Uh, not to go down to Pound Town. Again, we're getting on that bus back to Pound Town. But... Um, but, you know, a number of these Best Picture movies are uh, about, you know, uh, not about women's sexuality, but like are, you know, like um, mm-hmm. This Is and Lady Bird Is and yeah. Phantom Thread Is and like, good for them. Like, you know, yeah. because it's not the point of any of these movies. And that's what I like. And that's yeah. why I like that inclusion is because it's not the point of the movie it's just part of the movie that's fair yeah uh i i quite liked the the part of of ladybird where she's jerking off in the tub <laughs> uh didn't bother me in that movie okay it doesn't bother me in that movie but then i'm just like i already saw this in slums of beverly hills we all, not all of us <laughs> have seen slums of beverly hills <laughs> I'm sure Lady Bird has. No, she probably hasn't. <laughs> no, she doesn't have a TV young. in her room. Yeah. But my point was, yeah. I, well, I made my point, which was that I mm-hmm. like that this is an aspect of these movies, but not the point of any of them. Uh, yeah. Um, um, but I feel like that's what that... That's why That's why I like that, is because mm-hmm. it makes it clear that this it's not... A I, major part. And I it. guess what I don't like about it, and it's it, but it's a thing that I... I don't like about a lot of this movie is how excessively blunt it is That's about okay. everything. Yeah. Uh, you know, like in Lady Bird, there's a scene where she uh, she's uh, taken special tub time, <laughs> uh, and and you really just like you just like see like a shot of her face and like a shot of and, her like, feet her on toes a, go like yeah, up, yeah, toes go like and that's faucet. and that's all you need. Yeah. You, you yeah. get it. And then uh, in this movie. Uh, it's well. It, the camera doesn't quite linger, but you no. know it makes a point of like sh- showing her getting all naked, getting in the tub, right. which she always overfills, and it bothers me every single time. She loves water, but she's there's always water spilling out over the tub. She she's making a mess all water. over the place. She's she she's loves it. She wants to just puddle around in it. You know what? Why don't she just go marry a fishman? <laughs> I don't know if they marry. No. Uh, I don't think they have marriage in this fish religion. I think there's only, he's he's the only one. So We don't know that. I believe Guillermo del Toro has stated, and you know, you know, death of the author and that, all that, you can imagine what you will, but he has gone on the record saying, he's the only one. There's only he's one the only fish one. god man. Okay. Um, and there's only one uh, human woman with gills. Uh, well, yeah, that's true. Um... But yeah, this movie is uh, is very blunt from the the uh, from the, the get go from the special tub time scene uh, <laughs> to uh, uh, Giles getting uh, rejected by the pie guy right Who as then... he's kicking off uh, kicking out uh, a black couple right. from their restaurant. Yeah, uh, you know. Then to uh, 
to the well to the weird Strickland sex scene yeah, where which, um yeah. where uh he he oh, how, has oh, how just convenient me- the villain of this movie doesn't like it when women talk and well, the no. lead of this movie doesn't talk I mean talk. obviously but that's the thing is like he I think that that's I don't think it ever occurs to him until after he has after he has met Eliza and yeah. stuff like that he, that he's just like one he's just like oh my god there are women who can't speak <laughs> Like, th- this does it for me. And so, yeah. Oh, man, I just watched a whole episode of Millennium about that. What? Really? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, so he's not a good dude. And he wants to not be talked back to by, by yeah. women. Um, but, uh, so, um, <laughs> so let's talk about the lab for a minute. Yeah. Um, which we know almost nothing about. No, although well, that, I noticed it was called Occam, and I thought yeah, that was that like was the razor, funny. like the razor. Yeah, although it's that's another weird thing where I feel like it's uh, it should be a clever reference, but I don't think it really means anything. No, like Occam's razor is the is the idea that the simplest explanation is the most likely. Mm-hmm. What does that have to do with this strange lab where they're? Uh, they're uh, prodding uh, the fishmen. The simplest explanation is, you know what? He he is a god after all. I guess? That's not <laughs> the simplest explanation. I don't know. I, I mean, I guess it is. Usually Occam's razor is used li- like... <laughs> In a much more scientific uh, yeah, way. Yeah, like uh, the simplest explanation is that they they all made this up. There was right. a, this is a collective hallucination. Yep. <laughs> Caused by algae. Yeah. Or something. Uh, swamp gas, swamp usually. Swamp gas, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but yeah. yeah, let's talk about this lab. Yeah, it's... I guess that's the problem, is that we don't know too much about it. Yeah, I would um, have loved to uh, simultaneously learn more and learn less about it. Like, I feel right. like you don't know anything about what they do in this lab, but it's pretty clear that the whole thing's run by the federal government. Yeah. And so you can kind of just assume they're doing... Uh, like weapon things all the right. time, you know, and that's a little less interesting to me than this weird uh, underground laboratory where they just investigate all sorts of weird scientific phenomena. Yeah, I uh, they certainly, um, you know, Zelda and Eliza. Uh, this is certainly the first time they've seen a fish man, but yeah. uh, but it doesn't seem totally weird to them. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I would have. I would have liked to see. Like, Ooh, what sorts of things they get up to in this lab? Yeah, basically. Like, you know, I, I would have said. loved to see, like, how you know, um, I don't know, an Indiana Jones movie or a Bond movie. They'll start with like a little mini adventure, so you understand that he gets up to weird stuff. Right. I would have loved to see just the tail end of them, like them cleaning up some other lab. Yeah. To just set up what other, what sort of weird things get, they get up to in this lab. And they do have a whole like. This is what their day is like, where they're just cleaning things, and I'm pretty sure that one of the, at one point they're cleaning what looks like a bomb. Like, I don't remember that, in, but they're I'm, in like a I big hangar. It. It's it's either an aircraft, like an entire aircraft, or a missile or something, or a rocket. Mm-hmm. But they're just in a big hangar, and like Eliza is like scraping gum off the floor, <laughs> while while Zelda is like dusting. Like mm-hmm. a fin of like this, this huge rocket. Or I something. don't remember that, but I believe it. Uh, yeah, that, that sounds uh, right. Yeah, and I liked that. I mm-hmm. liked that little thing. 
Um, I, I feel this movie. It feels like it's. Um, it introduces these wonderful concepts, this wonderful world, uh, and it and it proceeds to tell what to me is the least interesting story in this world. I understand that's not for everybody, but like, I, I don't know. I do wonder if that is part of the reason why it spends so much time with all the other characters, though. Mm-hmm. You know, because. Um, because maybe Guillermo del Toro is like, well, what else do you need to know about this relationship? They fall in love. I guess. Yeah. She brings him eggs. <laughs> and then they dance. Mm-hmm. Well, she dances. He's yeah. he's in a tank. She Im- she imagines them dancing yeah, together. That's my favorite part. Uh, that's... I... Yeah, I, I think the uh, by that point, the movie has just lost me because that's the sort of thing that I would love and I love these like singular dream sequences uh often you know I love the ones where they're just dancing in a dream or something mm-hmm. and so I I should love that uh, and as an homage to a Hollywood yeah uh, and it just does so nothing for me that they watch all the yes. time uh she she sings the song in the dream mm-hmm. Um, and it's great because it goes into the dream sequence with her trying to sing at the table, mm-hmm. but she can't because she's mute and it comes out and she, and, and, but it comes out to her mm-hmm. still singing the end of the song, but like not quite singing. She's just like a little, little breathy, squeaky voice. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's so good. Sally Hawkins is is really good in this movie. She is really good. Uh, She's a little sass bucket, and I yeah. love her. There's that. I remember. There's that one scene. It's the one that they played. You know, at the Oscars. It's the it's the Oscar scene where. You know, oh, she's signing she makes, at. Uh, she make, yeah, She makes Richard him. Jackson say what he say what she signs. Right. And, to try and, to to try to get him to hear her. Yeah. yeah. And like that. And and you know that scene in isolation is very emotional to me i i like i get it i just like i wish like that that's the thing that's frustrating about this movie to me it's like i can't just be like yeah not for me not my thing because like so many different things about this movie push my buttons and i'm like yeah give me more of this give me more of that and it just but it just loses me at every other moment of the movie and i don't think it's the movie's fault all the time sometimes it is sometimes i think the movie is a little is a little much but uh but yeah there's then there's moments like that scene which is beautiful mm-hmm. even if i don't uh agree with the this relationship that they have <laughs> you know um and so i wish that the rest of the movie could grab me the way that that scene does or the way that the production design does mm-hmm. uh you know this is a thing you know not to get back on uh whether uh, Gilly is a man or an animal. Uh-huh. But uh, the thought occurred to me while I was watching the movie this time, you know, is that um, even before they fall in love, uh, yeah. he and Eliza become friends. You know, she brings him an egg uh, and teaches him to sign. And, um, you know, and uh, Dr. Hofstadter sees all this, so he knows that this is an intelligent being, this and that, because he sees him communicating those blah, 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 blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I thought, has anyone else tried to sign at him ever? Clearly, no. Yeah. Um, presumably, no one in that lab knows sign language except uh, Zelda. Except Zelda. Yeah. yeah. 
uh, because it was uh, a, a different time. Right. Um, I feel like that's one of the, the movie's sort of uh, blunt themes, possibly, is that, you know, uh, everyone overlooks what this uh, disabled woman can bring to uh, to society at yeah, large, pr- probably. They just overlook her, and so they overlook her talents, and her skill, you know... Yeah. Um, yeah. There's if they uh, valued after... her more, they might be able to communicate with this creature. You know, that's true. Yeah. Um. There's you know the part where uh, after they have uh, freed Gilly from the lab, uh, and they're you know going through the whole security thing where they're like, oh, you know, it must be a team of of Russian specialists and yeah. stuff like that, and. I mean, because they you know, just don't can, believe right, that you can just those specific people could do yeah, this. They're just clocking in in the background. Yeah. But um. But yeah. But they have to. But then the, there's the scene right after that, which is the one which I thought you were going to mention before, where they have to interview everybody, and so he mm-hmm. interviews uh, uh, Zelda and Eliza, and is you know, fucking weird at them again. Um, I. <laughs> And then Eliza, all of a sudden, she's just like, fuck you, dude. Yeah, right, as they're leaving. But, like, the whole scene, she's just so smug as shit. Yeah, yeah, she is. She's such a smug little shit, the whole scene, and (laughs) I love it. Um, But it comes out of nowhere. No, well, well, they've already had a couple of... They've already had the interaction uh, where he knocks the cup off the desk to make her clean it up, and then Mm -hmm. says that he's going to make her squeak. Yeah. Yeah. So, so she's already like, fuck this well, guy of in particular. We're all like, fuck this guy yeah, in but, particular. Yeah, but, well, well, of course we are, because mm-hmm. we've seen all the weird shit he gets up to yeah. the rest of the time. But, but. That, that didn't, I already was like, fuck this guy. Before he had weird sex with his wife, I was already like, fuck this guy. Oh, well, yeah. You know, I was like, fuck this guy as soon as he washed his hands before he peed. <laughs> no one does that. Literally no one on the face of the planet does that. He, he implies that other people do. And I was like, why? It, yeah, it was it was so weird. Like his monologue, like I get that it's weird and creepy, but it, he's like, you know, a man either washes his uh, hands before he touches his dingus or afterwards. Uh, not and it both. Says a, and it says a lot about a person, which one it is. Or I don't. Like that. I, I think it's I, in my head. He says that maybe he does. I feel. I, well, I feel like he says like it says a lot about a man if he does both. Oh, or, yeah, or something right. like that. And like, you're of right. course, no one would do both. Yeah, why? Would because you do both? no one does one of those things at all. <laughs> one of those things is insane. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if no, if any of you at home wash your hands before you pee, uh, you can tweet at us. Yeah, right. At Nominee's Pod. Yeah. Tell us if this I is a thing. I genuinely want to know. If, is this a 1960s thing? I don't know. Were there public hygiene films that told you to wash your hands before you pee? <laughs> if so, send them to us. I love to watch those. That Yeah, I agree with that as well. Please do. I think I think what this movie was missing was a public hygiene film somewhere in the middle of it. It does have the, the propaganda posters, though. Yeah. In the, in the locker room. I noticed them because of how blunt oh, yeah, they are. Yeah. They're so blunt. Uh, one of them is about not wasting water, and the other one is loose lips sink ships. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. Uh, amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep. A plus. A plus theming. Well done. Um, oh, so that's what... So I want to get to... Even though there are other things I want to talk about, I do want to 
to talk about the end of the movie and how she escapes to the sea. Uh-huh. Um, I don't remember genuinely how this happened because he's not smart, but, uh, but Strickland has figured out, you know, uh, that they're all behind it. And, well, he figures out first, that's right, that, uh, that's, um, Dr. Hofstadter, Stadler yeah. is actually Dimitri, yeah. a Russian and, spy. Uh, and, and just, just by following him all day, which, <laughs> like... Well. There's a real uh, big flaw in this uh, spy plan. If if yeah. someone, if you can just tail someone for an entire day and then you know they're a spy. I mean, he... Yeah, that's true. Um, and, yeah, he... It's, it's, it's a flawed system. <laughs> Although, I think that at that point, uh, Dimitri already knows the jig is up. Like, he... Well, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, at that point, he got shot by he the got Russians. Shot by, too. Right, he got shot by the Russians, mm-hmm. uh, which, as I as I'm saying that out loud, is now I understand why uh, my last note and all my notes is Dimitri deserves better. To be honest, <laughs> he was just trying to do his job and protect and protect the fishman as well. It's true for science, you know. Um, uh, really, the the real enemies of this movie. Are nations in general? I guess that's kind of true. It's all, it's all the, the, these people just uh, wanting to either live their lives uh, in pursuit of love or science, and then these countries being like, "No, fight each other." Yeah, that's true. No, use this fishman as a weapon. Although I don't know how that uh, that is all true for the main plot. I don't know how that ties into, you know, the whole outsider theme. The 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 gay struggle the black struggle yeah well is uh, unrelated to nations specifically i mean the nation as a whole was opposed to uh black people at that time yeah i guess uh, that's true oh yeah that's right there's even the scene where um in giles's apartment that's one of the things that he's being being a little coward about is uh there's a civil rights uh protest on the news at one point mm-hmm. and he says to to Eliza, he's like, no, turn that off. I don't want to see this. Yeah. And like, but like, that was, that was what was happening. And he, instead they put on like a musical from the thirties mm-hmm. and yeah, because that's the world he wants to live in, which yeah. isn't real. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, uh, it's not being a good ally. No, it's true. But he learns. Mm-hmm. He learns. What kind he learns of, to be an ally to the fish of. people to the fish. and to the deaf people. Mute people. Mute She's people. Not I apologize. Okay. That that was, you know, that was just a big old error on my part. That's all right. That's quite all right. Um, and like you know, he uh, he tries to ally for the black people at the diner. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's like, hey, you know, the, yeah, let, he's like, let don't them. talk to them like that. And he's like, and then the other guy's like, yeah, you go home too. And he's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Yep. You got me there. Yep. So he and does he take goes, the time to uh, to wipe to the, wipe the, the, pie, the pie off of off his of, tongue. Yeah, which uh, you know, um, it just it's a it's a common enough thing. You see, it just bothers me every time someone puts paper on their tongue. Yeah, it's unpleasant. Yeah. Ugh, yeah. yeah. Although I guess I have like the, a sense memory there, like I see that, like I remember a time I accidentally licked the wrong paper, and it <laughs> makes my entire body clench up. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. 
I feel like it uh it just implies how bad this pie is that he would rather, rather, taste rather paper. put the, Yeah, I would rather put this whole napkin in my mouth. Mhm. Um so fuck you pie man. And fuck the pie you wrote in on. Yeah. I assume he rides a pie to work. The idea of a chain pie restaurant is isn't deeply takes, odd. Isn't uh, takes the return. <laughs> that's true, but that was it's fifty years later. <laughs> it's true. You know, uh, a chain. I would go to a chain pie restaurant. Yeah. I just want pie all the time. I know, so. and they they appear to have other food. Maybe that food is better. It's possible they do appear to be a functioning diner. They just. Ooh, we went to a pies. we went to a chain pie restaurant. Oh, Perkins. True. Perkins. Yeah, pretty good pie. I didn't get a pie. I got pie. So I was I, got I was cream pie. It was pretty good. I was gorged myself on the meal, and I never have, I never save room for pie. It's very That's sad. A shame you should always save room yeah, for pie. I should. Yeah. Um. But back to the shit yeah, water. Yeah. Um. So let's see. You can see how uh, you can tell how much I want to talk about this movie by how often I digress by just talking about uh, pies and. Uh, <laughs> And Michael Shannon's penis. <laughs> you know what? We never see it. It's true. We should see it. <laughs> we see literally all of Sally Hawkins. Right. I think we should get to see Michael Shannon's mm-hmm. penis. We don't even get to see the fishman dick. No. Although she describes it, and that's amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's it certainly sounds like uh, he is an opening like a vagina, and then a penis comes out of it. Yep. Which, like, you know what? Yeah, I was sure, like, why not? Yeah, sounds right. Yeah, that's fair. Sounds like an amphibian sort of thing. I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I buy this. You know, I feel like this movie is trying, you know, very hard to, uh, you know, tip the scales the other way uh, in terms of, uh, like, uh, human sexuality on film. You know, you're always seeing things from the male point of view. Mm-hmm. Here's a movie from the female point of view. But you still see Sally Hawkins' entire nude body and you don't see any dicks in this movie. That's true. A bit one-sided there. I know. It's a shame. Yeah. Uh, still out, not in this movie, but still out there, I believe, fighting the good fight for everyone is Ewan McGregor. Uh, single-handedly crusading for dicks on film. Uh, and for a and long time, appreci- Judd Apatow as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He, uh, but it's easier It's easier when you make comedies. You can mm, well, stick a flaccid penis in there and it's funny. You that's know. the thing. Well, yeah, I guess. No, I guess that's fair. Like, this is the problem with movies is that... Um, actually, there's so many problems with movies. But this is one of the problems with movies sure. is that you get a naked lady in a movie and it is... Uh, almost always just inherently sexual Mm -hmm. um you get a naked dude on a movie it's almost always comical almost always comical uh when it's not it's weirdly not pleasing it's more threatening yeah dicks are threatening yeah and it's sometimes (laughs) like and it's weird sometimes the joke is oh it's a man's body no one wants to see that but then other times the joke is this man is so hot women can't handle it and even that is still demeaning to women somehow even when they objectify men it still demeans women yeah 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 movies are fun yeah It's, it's fun to be a woman watching movies yeah i believe it um actually that's the thing 
after we watched this movie again and I went into work and I was like, yeah, we watched Shape of Water again. And I realized I'm tired of men telling me not to like this movie. <laughs> yeah, I would never tell you not to like no, this movie. No. But even after we watched it, you know, you were like, I didn't like this movie. This is all the reasons I didn't like this movie. And I was like, okay, all of these movie reasons make sense. I don't like this movie either. But like, no, fucking, no, of course we, I like this like movie. Like it, yeah. Love this movie. Do whatever <laughs> you want. Of course I do. Yeah. It's exactly my kind of garbage. Yeah. <laughs> so. Look, yeah. I'm clearly in the minority here. Uh, I don't this think mo- that you are. I think that there is a, well, I mean, it did win Best Picture. Yeah. But I think that it is one of those movies that won Best Picture by being the least objectionable to the most amount of people, which it is so deeply weird. It it, it tells it, it says so about, much yeah. uh, about the year that we are living in, right? The the times that we are living in that the the least objectionable movie is about the union of a human woman and uh, an <laughs> abomination of nature. Hey. He's created in God's image, okay? <laughs> he's not in a. He's, he's, he's Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon right. disagrees. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Shannon disagrees, yep. and then uses the extra opportunity to be racist about it. Well, of course. Yeah, because of course he does. Mm-hmm. Oh, so here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the the theater. We didn't talk about the theater. At yeah, all. it's. Uh, I kept thinking about it while we were talking about it and thinking about how to bring it up. But I realized that I don't have any thoughts about it because it's a completely superfluous thing in this movie. It's true. There is, yeah, well, there is, um, you know, Eliza and Giles live above a movie theater. Yeah. And um, it almost never comes up. Mm -hmm. Uh, Their landlord is the owner of the theater. You know, he chases her down for rent a Mm -hmm. couple times. And when she Uh, floods her entire bathroom, it leaks leaks into into the theater. theater. That's about Uh, it. When the fish man uh, eats the cat and runs away. Yeah, she finds him in the theater. um, And uh, and is just standing there. She finds him just standing there watching a movie. Yeah. Uh, Because there's never anybody in this theater is the thing. So you you can just do that. He's just standing there mm-hmm. watching watching this Bible film. Mm-hmm. Apparently, um, this is a nice theater in uh, Toronto. Okay. Uh, and The Shape of Water actually had its premiere at this movie theater. That's nice. Yeah. I like that. Um, but yeah, and I remember you saying after we watched it uh, that it would that you felt like the I that just the location of the movie theater is wasted in this movie. <laughs> A little bit. I mean, like, it feels like it should have some sort of, like, thematic resonance or something. Like, at the very least, they should be showing some movie that uh, yeah, they, seems irrelevant. They should be showing the creature from the black. Wow, well, that would be a bit on the nose. So, I'm, so like I'm surprised me. that they didn't do it. Uh, but no, they're just showing some, like, uh, biblical epic. Yeah. Um, the Fall of Rome or something like that. Something like that. Uh, and... Yeah, Although just that seems... might be significant in and of itself if we look it up, I'm sure. I wouldn't be surprised if it turns out it's some valuable epic that's directly related to the plot of this movie in some way. Yeah, I don't know. Like... Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. It just feels like there's... It's it's such... Like, it would be one thing if, like, if they just sort of established that, oh, they live above a movie theater, and then it never really comes up again. And then it would be another thing if they keep going to the movies over and over, but it's in this like weird middle ground where 
they show it enough times that it should mean something, but it doesn't. I agree. I do think that Gilly just standing there watching the movie uh, is sort of evocative in and of itself. It's sort of like, I don't know, especially because there's so much of the movie that is about like living your life like you're in the movies, mm-hmm. basically. And there's also a thing where this is a time where like uh, Giles has a TV mm-hmm. in his uh, in his apartment. Uh, there's a there's a noted, notable shot like when, I think when she's going to work for the first time, you mm-hmm. see like the bus stop is in front of oh, like yeah. one of those <laughs> right. like TV stores where yep. they just have like a wall of TVs in the in the window, mm-hmm. and it it seems like it's it's. It like it seems like it's bumping up against some sort of theme where like this is a time of transition from movies to television. Maybe it's something to do with like this new technology that right. is that they're working on in the lab, but it never quite gets there. It never no, quite makes fair. a point. It is also somewhat interesting that Giles has this TV, but he always uses it to watch, to watch old movies. old movies. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's saying something. I just don't know what. Yeah, I, I feel like, uh, yeah, there's almost something there, but not quite. Yeah. Uh, my next question was, why doesn't Eliza have a bed? Yeah, that's yep. uh, weird. Well, I guess, yeah, they've got these one-room uh, apartments, and you can you know, choose to fill that space however you wish, and she chooses she... not to fill it with a bed. Yeah, she just sleeps on a couch. Yeah. Uh, I guess she, guess she spends most of her time at Giles' apartment anyway. It's kind of weird. Point. Like, you know, they establish these apartments right next to each other, and then they just go ahead and spend all of their time at Giles' apartment. It's true. They, yeah, no, it is true. Mm-hmm. She and Gilly even, spend time in her like, apartment. Yeah, even, but, yeah, even once they bring uh, the fish man there, they keep him in the tub, you see him in her bathroom... But then they still just like go over there to talk, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't know. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. There's the there's the scene at the end, like right before the musical number, where you see them sitting at the kitchen table right. eating. You, so you see she finally has a, you finally see she has a kitchen table. <laughs> yes, eating eggs. Yeah, of course. He signs egg at her. Yes. Yep. See, because they bonded. See, do they can can he actually talk? Or can he just say egg a lot? <laughs> does he even know what it means, or does he just he knows know it means egg? He knows it's egg. Or does he just know when he does that with his fingers that he gets a treat? <laughs> well, he already got the treat. She already gave him the egg. It was like egg. Well, that's that's how. That's how she teaches him that 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 symbol means I get a treat. Oh no, I don't like this. Mm-hmm. You're mean. <laughs> like uh, like when a when a dog just puts his hand on your knee and you know to give him a little bite of your food. Egg. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be my response to everything from sure, now on. Sure, fair enough. That's what I learned. It's his response to everything. Is egg. give me more eggs. I do think that, and I'm, I don't remember this for sure, and I think that this is part of the problem. I think that if you saw them having a conversation, that, a, like, a lot of the issues would be alleviated. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, but, but, that, but that's part of the problem is, you know, no one, even a, a fish god, can learn a language in two weeks. That's, I mean, yes, but that's why I, I assumed that this was more time. 
This movie was nominated for 13 Oscars. Hell yes. Yeah, that is a lot. I'm pretty sure the only ones it wasn't nominated for were Best Live Action Short, uh, <laughs> that sort of thing. It was nominated, I'm going to go from the bottom up. Uh, that's easier. It was nominated for Best Editing, uh, Best Achievement in Sound Mixing, uh, Sound Editing, Costume Design, Cinematography. It was nominated for all of them. Original Screenplay, uh, supporting actress Octavia Spencer, supporting actor Richard Jenkins, leading actress Sally Hawkins, uh, and production design, which it won, uh, original score, which it won, uh, best director Guillermo del Toro, and best he picture. He gave a nice speech. He did. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I liked it. I don't remember it exactly. I actually don't remember if it was his best director speech or if it was the best picture speech, but I remember him just talking about following your dreams and it was nice and I was very yeah. drunk and I cried in a bar. Mm-hmm. It was very nice. I remember being happy that he won as I think he's a very talented man, even if I didn't like nice this man. movie that, that, that much. Um, I also just liked that it, it wrapped up the little thing where... Uh, you know the the three amigos. I believe that's what they call themselves. Uh, they uh, Inyaritu and Quaron had each won uh, best director Oscars, and he hadn't, and he finally did. That's nice. Uh, but now this year, now that uh, Quaron won for Roma, now he and Inyaritu have each won twice, and Del Toro has only won once. Disappointing. He's got to so, get another yeah. one. Uh, and this all happened within the last uh, six or seven years, or Which something is like that. A little bit weird. Yeah, uh, they've they've won two, four, five, they've won five times in the last six years. I and mean, and also from everything I've heard, because we haven't seen it mm-hmm. and we won't get to it for uh, years, uh, the Revenant is not good. Yeah, and uh, a ton of a lot of people don't like uh, and, uh, Birdman, Birdman either. Is uh, also supposed to be not great. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen an Inyara two film. I don't know if I have. I've seen a bunch of Quaron movies. I li- I like uh, I like him. I, I like think some he's of them. a talented guy. Yeah, even his movies that I don't like that much, I think that he is a talented guy. I think yeah. they are well constructed movies, mm-hmm. like like visually and stylistically yeah. and and thematically. Guy knows what he's doing, and yeah. so does Del Toro. Uh, the award was uh, richly deserved. If not for this film in particular, then as a whole in his career. You know, this does remind me of a thing I did want to say. Okay. Uh, after this movie, I feel like this movie had, a, this is probably why I had a note that just said backlash. Uh, I feel like this movie got backlash for winning Best Picture. I mean, every movie every, does. Right. But, um, you know, I feel like once it, because I feel like before the Oscars, people were like, oh, this movie's pretty good. And then when mm-hmm. it was Best Picture, they were like, well, it's not as good as this. It's not as good as this. And, yeah. You know. Well, and of like, course. Right. But, and I feel like there was a part of this backlash that was like, you know, this movie only won uh, because it's so, uh, uh, it's so pandering to the idea of, you know, all of these misfit outcasts and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And... Uh, I find that idea extremely cynical and incorrect because, like, if you ever just listen to Guillermo del, Guillermo del Toro speak, he's, like, the most sincere that a human being can be. Well, yes. You know? And so, like, he would never be making a movie to ride the zeitgeist, you know, for people standing against Trump or whatever. Yeah, you know? absolutely not. Like, I like- 
he this is just genuinely how he would feel. Yeah, I think this is a very sincere movie about outcasts. Um, but I do think there is somewhat of a point there because this is I, I feel like there, there's it's a long tradition. Very often the winner is the movie with the most obvious and the most palatable social commentary. Yeah. Okay. Like the social commentary in Three Billboards uh, is very obvious, but it's not very palatable. Uh, and it also doesn't hang together in any coherent yeah. sort of way. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the the message of the shape of water, uh, how we all want to belong and, uh, you know, uh, whatever... It's not that far removed from the presumed message of, of Green Book, which right. is like, can't we all just get along? Yeah, I you assume know? that's the message, yeah. Uh, and, I, and I feel like it does belong in a, in a sort of tradition there. And I do think that that, had, that, that, that was a factor, you know. Uh, I feel like it was the least difficult of these of the movies nominated for best picture aside from maybe like the post and darkest hour well neither of which is a difficult movie yeah well exactly good Hmm. but we'll get to that i do i do think it is the most palatable which is uh extremely weird because it's a fish fucking movie (laughs) but it's also it's a love story and uh hollywood loves a good love story um, but yeah, this movie won Best Picture, and I guess we can, you know, uh, make our thoughts more clear in our 2017 yearly wrap-up, which will be uh, coming out next week. Yep. So right. next week, I thought we'd, you know, take a take a look back uh, <laughs> at uh, all the good times we've had. <laughs> yes, since since august yeah i've just been um, living in 2017 yeah <laughs> i was like i was talking about this earlier today and i was like i feel like i've just spent the past six months of my life just just living in 2017's yeah. movies uh so and and we like didn't even get around to watching a ton of other movies from this year. No, it's true. We watched a couple extra ones. We did. We tried. Uh, so I figured we'd, uh, you know, we'd uh, talk about the year as a whole. Talk about all of these movies all together. Right. We'd uh, maybe uh, rank them a little bit. Yep. Say what we thought uh, deserved when what I thought we'd uh, we'd go over a lot of the other categories as far as we are familiar with the nominees yes talk about these oscars as a whole that we still you know certainly didn't see as many 2017 movies presumably as the academy did although one never knows yeah i don't know uh you don't have to see all the movies to vote for what movies you want that's true but it seems unfair yeah um so i thought we'd do that um and then uh, we'll talk about uh, our next mini series. Do you want to announce it now? We didn't yet, although we have told people individually in real life. Yeah, and they're the only people that listen to this podcast. No, that's not true. We have uh, we have other listeners now. We have international listeners. We do. We don't want to call them out by name because I don't know who they are. Yeah, uh, no, 
But thank you, yeah. strangers. Yeah, thank you, strangers uh, in other countries and various states that I don't know anybody. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Uh, in... Thank you, American strangers as well. Yeah. Um, if you enjoy listening to this show, uh, please uh, rate it on uh, iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. Leave us a review. That would be really nice. It would be very helpful. It would get more people to... Uh, to find the show uh, you can follow us on uh, twitter at nominees pod you can send us an email uh, at nominees pod at gmail.com and if you write us a nice letter we will read it on the air because we don't have anything better to do uh, i promise if anybody follows the instagram at nominees pod i will actually remember to post something on the instagram yeah you uh you said that last week no well i said i would do it and then i didn't do yep, it i know but also nobody follows it so i didn't really feel any pressure. fair enough um you know uh presumably if you're listening to this you found our podcast somewhere so i don't need to tell you all of the places you can find it but uh we are on spotify um and i think now we are on youtube we are this time okay yeah uh so yeah we're on youtube you can find us there if for some reason that's easier for listening to podcasts um yes it could be like maybe if you have youtube music i don't know i don't don't really know i don't understand youtube at all i don't know um and of course we're on podbean yes check us out subscribe to us on podbean at nominiesware.podbean.com yeah i think that's all the things yeah that's all yeah. the things yeah uh until we i don't know as what what other what other lands are there for us to conquer <laughs> out there we still have to get the patreon up yeah that's true yeah. it fe- like it just feels it, it feels silly it feels conceited like who the hell it would does, who right? the hell would uh pay to listen to us talk about more things. Yeah, but but we will have more. We there will be more content. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of extra little bonus episodes that we're gonna do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and some of that hot cunt, like the drunk version of last week's episode. Yeah. Um, which I don't recommend, but no. I was asked for it. So, but none of this is up yet, so you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. I will let you know when it's ready. Yeah, but when it's ready. Uh, please give us your money. You're <laughs> right. We like money. Please give me two American dollars at yes. least. So. <laughs> um, but that is it for the moment. Yeah. Um, until next time. Egg. <laughs> yeah. Egg. Uh, you couldn't see it, but I just signed, uh, fuck you <laughs> to all of our listeners. <laughs> No, 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 no. I, I, I signed thank you. I signed thank yes. you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Bye. Bye.